This is a Color Pencil Podcast, session number 73. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick, and I am joined by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, today I'm never better. How are you? I'm good. It's funny, I've been on a Harry Potter marathon lately, and they keep saying never better, and so I've been thinking about you oh, all week do? in a non-creepy way. <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay, <laughs> that's good. This is a show about colored pencil, where we discuss one of the fastest growing mediums on the planet. So, Lisa, what are we talking about today? We are talking about some of the different art styles. Yeah, there's an appreciation that goes with understanding or comes with an understanding of what type of art or what style of art you're looking at. And if you can identify some of those things and the next time you're looking at a piece of art, it just uh, increases your appreciation and enjoyment for art when you're able to recognize different styles. Uh, we're going to talk about a few different styles. We're not going to exhaust all of them. Colored pencil lends itself to realism, and there's many different forms and flavors of that. But I think, you know, we could spend uh, an entire podcast or two talking about all the different little tiny styles within styles. And But we're going to talk about some of them broadly and then uh, a discussion a little later on about some of the views that people hold regarding styles of art and work. The first one that we'll discuss then is realism. This is a really old style of art form, and this is just exactly what we think of it as being, just life as it is. It's a natural representational portrayal of life. And traditionally, the term uh, had a lot of social aspects uh, attached to it, and it would actually connote things that were going on currently in society. More contemporary definitions uh, get a little broader than that. But the term just representational has more to do with being able to recognize a subject matter when you look at the art piece. And so something that is true to life, we would say broadly, that's realism. And if somebody, you know, is saying, oh, I want to learn how to draw or I want to learn how to paint better, uh, what they're really saying is, I want to be able to portray something realistically. And it's usually esteemed pretty highly, realism is. Okay, so uh, some of the the big movers and shakers, I would say, within realism are Vermeer, uh, John Sargent, um, and then one of the more famous paintings that I think we would all recognize would be the Gleaners as being a, a realistic piece. Now, there's a lot of different little variations within realism, and one of the most popular ones now that we hear, and really, it's not really a contemporary type of style that has been discussed a lot very recently, but I mean, it is it is something that you still hear a lot about, and that is photorealism. And that has to do with the precise, exacting detail and color matching in a piece. So traditionally, that just meant that someone who is attempting to reproduce what we uh, view when we're looking at a photograph. 
and you know portraying a photograph with a photographic quality about it that's where realism is just really ramped up and so we get into the minute little details some of the recognizable names in that would be Severin Rosen, Charles Bell, Susan Lamont, and John Beter. Okay, so Impressionism. And Impressionism, this is a, a particular style that I really, I really do like a lot. Uh, and that's just simplifying subject matter down into recognizable shapes and not rendering full details as much as you would in realism. But there still is a recognition of the subject matter. And, you know, it can look like maybe you're looking through a stained glass window or, or that there's um, uh, something's out of focus a little bit. But it's still recognizable most of the time when we're talking about impressionistic painting. Some of the artists that uh, are more contemporary like to mix impressionism with other realism styles of painting. Or maybe they'll mix it with abstraction. The key factors in Impressionism is you'll see often uh, pastel colors being used, and the medium is very recognizable. If you're looking at an original piece, you can tell what the medium was painted or drawn in. Claude Monet, of course, is one of the big Impressionists, and uh, Mary Cassette. Okay, and then finally, uh, or we got a couple of them here, but abstraction. The people that really like abstract art usually say that those of us that don't like it, I'm putting myself in that camp. I don't know about you, Lisa, but I'm raising my hand really high when I say that I really don't care for abstract art. Um, and I'm okay with that. But those that do like abstract art say that those that don't, don't get it. So I guess I don't get it. Yeah, but anyway. We, yeah, that, that could be said no matter anything that somebody doesn't like. The other person doesn't get it. That, that's right. kind of a funny... But reality is just broken down into lines and more gestural and not really defined very much. So that's its departure from Impressionism, where it is you, sometimes you can't really tell um, what the subject matter is or if there even is a subject matter. And that's a, a departure as well from Expressionism. You're, you're not going to be able to recognize anything. It's just gestural types of globs of whatever, a paint or whatever it is. Okay, and then expressionism, uh, very emotional, uh, it has very strong lines that are used, sometimes there's distortion of subjects, um, but it's very loose, very free brushwork, um, the artist is just expressing themselves, hence the term, and they're telling you what they feel about whatever it is they're portraying. Most of the time, as when we're talking about color pencil art, or a, a very precise art where we're using a very tiny tool often, then the tendency is to um, gravitate towards realism. I don't know about you, Lisa, but I've thought about this quite a bit, and I've looked into some of these different terms that are being used. When I see somebody stamp their art as photorealistic, that's fine if they want, if they want to call it that, and I can appreciate that. But when, when it really doesn't look like a photo then that's where I just want to throw a word of caution out there. And if, if you're wanting to call yourself a photorealist, then you kind of put yourself in this category where people are going to use a magnifying glass. They're really going to say, is that really photorealism? Well, here's what happens. There's a reason for that. People don't understand what photorealism is. You're confused, or I'm saying you, but I don't know. Most people are confusing hyperrealism with photorealism, and there's a very distinct difference. Photorealism basically means 
you had a reference photo and you were working from that photo to get your work super detailed and be very accurate. You're not working from memory or from a live model who's moving and adjusting themselves. You're working from a photo. It doesn't mean that it looks exactly, like you can't tell that it's not a photo. And that's where people misunderstand the difference. If you want something that you can't tell that it's a photo, like, or that you can't tell that it's artwork, you think it's a photo, that's where hyperrealism comes into play. But this is the reason why I wouldn't use, I agree with you. This is the reason why I wouldn't use the term, though. And, and I, at one point I did use the term and I started looking into it more and I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I did it for about a day. But the reason why I wouldn't do it is because a lot of people that do know the difference in the term are not always the people looking at your art and they're going to this they're going true. to look at it and say oh it's the same way with grammar um if something's if the idea is communicated but you think it's communicated poorly sometimes somebody may choose not to use correct grammar because they might sound very pretentious and so they'll use looser grammar that is more accepted by the masses right okay so the same thing is true with photorealism if you're going to put that label on yourself, then there's people that are not going to have the knowledge about what that term really means, and they're going to look at it with an eye of, oh, so you copied a photo. Well, here's now, an example of that, too. My YouTube channel, one of my, I did a drawing in colored pencil of Daenerys from Game of Thrones, and it was listed as photorealism. It is photorealism. It doesn't look like a photograph, but it still, it is realistic. I'm, I'm working off a photo. It's very accurate. You can tell that it's artwork, but I had a few, and it's usually kids who don't understand the difference. That's not photorealism. Yes, it is. You don't know what the word means, but I got sick of having to explain it to people. So I did pull the word photorealism from that. I left it in the tags and in the description, but off the main title because you have these kids who just don't know the difference. Now, I will do wildlife that is super realistic and those ones, because what's happening is people do use the term photorealism when they search for videos on YouTube. I have to be able to, you know... It's like you listed as that, but what they're looking for is hyperrealism. They just don't know that. So under yeah, no, I get that. I get not keeping the name on there. And there that was one drawing that I just got sick of explaining it over and over. So I was like, just forget it. We'll just list it as realism and move along. Yeah, words are containers for meanings, and people can pour into those containers whatever they want. And so that that's the problem, I think. And so a more general term is realism, and if you say you draw in a realistic style or a representational style, uh, I think it encompasses uh, any variation on that that uh, plane. But the other, the other problem with it is, for me, is this, that if somebody... If somebody is saying, okay, I, I work in photorealism or I work in hyperrealism and you're looking at their work and, and this is so, I don't know, this is one of the reasons why I switched from using the term photorealism to now only using the term realism. If you're looking at something and uh, that is not a photo, you're looking, let's take a landscape, you're looking at a landscape, something in the foreground of the landscape, it has a lot of detail in it. But the more you look out into the background, the less detail you're going to see. But it's not, it's not blurry. Optics create blur. That depth of field or that shallow focus that we often refer to it as, that creates a blurry background. An eye does not see like that. A photo reads like that because it's presented that way because of the optics that we use to create that. That's not reality. That is something that happens through a photo. 
And so as somebody saying they're working in photorealism and they're wanting to portray something that is blurry in the background, I, I can see that as being something that is more photorealistic. But if we're working in something that we're not representing something that we might see in a photo, then I prefer, and I think it's less confusing, just to say I work in realism. Totally That's one play devil ad- devil's advocate here. Yeah, sure. Because you're using the thing, well, in person, we're not gonna, it's not going to be blurry in the background, or it's not. It is. It isn't. No, it is because you don't. Your eyes be not focusing detail. on that. You're only focusing on what's up close. That's yeah, why but it isn't blurry. Blurry too. That's but how it, it isn't looks to the eye, though. So even no, what, if you're not looking at a photo, it does. If I look no, right now it, outside, okay, it's dark outside. Uh-huh. I can't see crap. But if I look in the daylight, <laughs> if I look outside and I focus on my balcony, on the bars of the balcony, everything beyond it is going to look a little bit blurry to me. I'm not going to. No. I can't see the details because you're not okay. focusing on it. Okay, we're going to disagree on this because it's not blurry. It's it, and it is not. Uh, it is less detailed, is what it is. Because there's it's a not, huge difference there. There is a huge difference. If you look at a photo that shows a shallow depth of field or shallow focus, things are blurry in the foreground and blurry in the background. But when you're looking in reality at I don't know print on a book or something, you have a very small depth of field on a photo you're seeing all that blur but if you're looking at something yeah you know looking at a page like i'm looking at a page right now i'm not seeing blur anywhere but my eyes are seeing less detail with things that are further away from my focus i know this is a i know this is a small fuzzy i'm looking right now at my trash can and everything behind it is completely fuzzed out for me so it's blurred just like a just like uh, I mean, I'm not talking a bokeh look, but yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. A bokeh. Everything's rounded and circled. the difference the way the lighting is, though. Well, no, it's the difference in the optics. It's the difference in the way the lens portrays it. This is probably it the stupidest it, argument we've ever it, had. It, it, it is a dumb argument. Let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> I just brought it up because I was like, no, because I actually regularly teach that things would be blurry at a distance. That's why no, I bring it up. they're blurry. They're out of focus. They're, they're Which is different. the same. Anyway. Th- um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, let's go on because the podcast in which do. Lisa and John disagree on everything. <laughs> no, we we we've recorded those before. We just, I don't <laughs> we think just, we released. I think them. We, we're just wording things differently. Well, it's well, the same end. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a small it's small little. Um, fine point and it's splitting hairs well the reason that i always bring it up to people though is when they're drawing something if they're drawing a they've got you know an animal a dog sitting in the foreground you don't Mm -hmm. want the background far far away miles away to be just as detailed as what's up close because that's not what the eye would see that is what you see with a camera where you take a photo and you can see everything in focus or if you're standing there and refocus on a different area yeah you'll see each individual thing that Depend, you look well, at and focus. Yeah, it depends on the optics. It depends on what camera lens you're using and what camera and all that. But I mean, typically, normally speaking, photographs do not look like what we're seeing in reality exactly. I mean, that, that's that's my only point about that. There is uh, special effects that we do with cameras and that, yeah. that those little tricks, those little special effects are a, a design uh, effect and that lends itself to uh, what we call that's a good photo that's it you know and so then when we represent that in art we're calling that a photorealistic 
representation. And there, you know, there's people that specialize in this kind of thing, and they they do use that bouquet look, you know, and they make everything in the background circles and that kind of thing. And, that, and that's fine. I'm just saying that that's a particular type of photographic style is what that is, and then you're representing that in your art, uh, but it's a representation of photos is what that is. Yeah, it, when it's something we get really with optics. got popular, though, that's not really what people were doing so much. It was just taking any photo and going for accuracy. So usually it was actually largely used with buildings and such where you wouldn't, you know. Yeah. The interesting thing here, though, is it proves the point here are two artists who generally agree on most things and look at how we're we're nitpicking at the definition of things. Yeah. I mean, so you can see where nitpicky. you post something online and somebody's gonna come across and go, that's not photorealism. John and I pretty much agree, but you hear how we're completely mm-hmm. arguing about this, and I think it definitely proves John's point or goes back to what he's saying about why he does not list things as photorealism. Look what happens. Yeah. The other thing about it is that I don't when I'm looking at something that I'm going to draw, I I may use one reference as my predominant source for my drawing as my reference, but I'm going to a lot of times I'm going to take into consideration other factors and this is something that cracks me up and I'll change up my piece and it won't look like exactly like the photo reference that I'm using. And this is something that's humorous to me. I'll see people talk about, well, you just copied a photo. That's not real talent or that isn't real art because you copied the photo. First of all, if someone isn't showing the photo, how do you know they copied it? And chances are, and if I, if I'm the one presenting the art, I can guarantee you I didn't copy every little single thing because I I rarely ever do that. Now, some artists do, I guess, do that pretty well. But that if you got 10 artists together commissioned, you have to draw this very thing. Every single one of you have to draw this photo. No variations. You'd still get variations. They would not look the same. Yeah. And the thing with photorealism, too or realism at all, where people are so anti, you know, you're just copying. Here's, there's a few reasons that an artist would choose to work this way. First is, like you're saying, you're you're improving on a photo. You're taking a photo. You may want, not like certain elements in it. Maybe, like in my case, I draw flamingos Gonna change something. Yeah, and I may not want some of those background flamingos. I want to remove those. Didn't like the background. Changing that out. I'm changing different elements. But I also will, fair, I don't want to say fairly often, but there are times where I will copy a reference photo almost exactly one was actually a flamingo i did last year and it's practice it's me i loved the photo i loved everything about it i didn't feel that it needed anything to be changed but it was really good practice so that when i then come across a flamingo photo where i love the position i love the lighting but there's a lot of things i want to adjust on it it's okay i know how to do that because i copied this other one as exact as possible i have the practice in doing it accurately and i can now apply that to mine where i'm having to change a lot of stuff it's such good practice just technical skill wise so that when you come across something that you're creating you want to make it look realistic but you don't have necessarily the best photo in the world you can do that because you've got practice of copying you know of doing it very accurately of getting it the way just perfect so that you can again when you come across a photo or when you're hired to do pet portraits we get this a lot where someone does not provide you with the best photo if you right. have enough practice drawing a lab perfectly, you can kind of adjust that on the photo that they bring you. You've done it exact so many times that you can work from a lesser than photo and still get the quality that you did from a better photo because you've done the better photo so many times where you did copy it exactly. So there are a lot of reasons that an artist is going to choose to copy something exactly, just the practice alone. 
But I'm with you. Yeah. I generally so that, want to change uh, things myself because I want to improve I, on the photo. I nearly all yeah exactly. I nearly always change something because I I feel like there's some things that lend itself to three dimensionality and lend itself to seeing something more realistic in person than in a photo. And uh, it's just it's just my prerogative. I want to change it, and there's some creativity that goes in, uh, that is involved with that. But that getting back to your point there, that negates the whole idea then that somebody is uh, copying a photo isn't portraying art, or they're not doing anything artistic or creative at all. Yeah, if you're changing the photo and if you're having to improve upon something that's poorly focused in a photo, then yeah, there's a lot of creativity. But there was a comment floating around by an artist in particular that said that if somebody is copying a photo, that that isn't real art. They are a copyist. They're only copy. <laughs> I can barely say without laughing because they're saying that he, he was saying uh, that you're copying a photo and so that doesn't fit the definition of art and you're just a copyist that's so funny too who is any one person to decide what art is that's like the nature of art it can be anything i mean i've seen people take he a broken is the toilet art and god, call it an art installation <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah uh, that was okay, my exact that thought that was like well, so how do you get, get to, to make the these uh, decisions for everyone i mean that that alone just you know, just the audacity of somebody to say, no, that is not art. And to, to say it as though, you know, through, you know, decree here, <laughs> I said that is not art. You know, that that to me is is humorous. You can uh, say that you don't like a style for yeah. art. You can yeah. even decide that you don't have that much respect for a certain, a certain style. That's right. okay. But you don't get to tell people what is or is not art either. I mean, I didn't understand yeah. the toilet and the broken toilet installation made no sense to me but i'm not god of art so i don't get to tell the person who created it that it's not art. And the funny thing that i hear and i've heard this before from people is that they have friends who may do art installations and they'll tell them that painting is not real art i do not understand <laughs> this elitist attitude of these yeah, people who exactly i'm like i don't think your is. toilet th somebody else made that toilet you just stuck it in a corner i don't see how you get to tell me yeah. that my creation is not art when i was you know just yeah this whatever. elitist attitude is something that really rubs me the wrong way too and this um this being very exclusive i would say uh, when we're when we're looking at color pencil art there are a lot of color pencil artists who work in a lot of these other styles of art that we've just talked about. And Impressionism, in particular, is a big one that you'll see in uh, colored pencil art. And it's one I really like a lot, too. But I, I like a loose uh, realism. I like realism mixed with uh, some Impressionism or Expressionism. But, yeah, I, I, I don't understand that at all, how people, you know, where they get that kind of information, how they would be able to, to make that claim. I don't think Honestly, that that's ours to, to do. Honestly, I think it's ignorance. And I yeah, don't say that in a so. mean way. It's just no. they don't understand. Right. They don't. Um, and it's usually people, I mean, anyone who has done photorealism will tell you how much goes into it that it's not just a simple matter of copying. The people who usually make these claims either don't or never were very good at it. And so they, they just don't I, understand. I think I would uh, liken it to... Someone who is not an artist, and then they talk to you about, oh, did you, um, they look at a portrait, you know, and they say, oh, did you do that from memory? That is really cool. You know, you've heard that. Yeah. It's like, uh, no, yeah. didn't do that. Oh, yeah. You know? 
you know, they, yeah. they don't understand. They're not involved in that world at all. So those are just some thoughts on particular styles of art and how you portray it whenever you're talking about your own art and how you want to position yourself when you discuss your art with other people and with potential art buyers. Well, as always, the show notes will be over there at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. And if you would like to continue the discussion, we can discuss that over in Facebook in the Colored Pencil Podcast group. And I went in with a quote. The expression of beauty is in direct ratio to the power of conception the artist has acquired. That was Gustav Courbet. Oh, you weren't going to credit to Van Gogh this time? And we will talk to you guys again next week. Bye. (laughs) Not even going to (laughs) acknowledge (laughs) you. You're hilarious. <laughs> okay, Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. This is not a presidential debate. <laughs> I do have a wire. <laughs> Made no sense to me, but I'm not the god or art of no the god of art. So I'm not going to put it in there, but I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you that no. <laughs> a little salty there. No, I didn't mean it like that. No, I'm just telling you that, that I did Sorry. get that from. No, I didn't mean it like that. Sorry. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. And I want to end with a quote. The exp- <laughs> you got me cracking up. Now. <laughs> this is a color pencil podcast. Sessant. No. <laughs> 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 This is a pu- <laughs> This is a color pencil podcast. Session number 73. Perfect. Thank you. Expressions is Just just call him Van Gogh. Yeah, there we go. You're accredited Van Gogh to all kinds of different You're things. You're funny. <laughs> I'm going to slap you. <laughs> I am funny. I'm hilarious. <laughs> Might as well say it's Van Gogh. <laughs>